Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Bearded Losers. Uh, season four premiere was episode 61. Uh, Frenzy, uh, I didn't think we'd be here for, for 61 episodes, but even though I just uh, introduced you, we'll introduce everybody. Uh, I'm Eric from, from Hey Internet Eric here. And you can tell it's been a while since I've done this. My coffee hasn't hit yet. And I'm with the man, the myth, and the legend in his own mind, my buddy Friends. Uh, as you could tell from that really fucked up intro, it's been three weeks instead of two since we planned to do this. Oh, it's been, um, you've done worse intros. Where's the ice machine? Cue the ice machine. That's true. Um, I can do it. No, we'll, we'll do that by the time we're done talking tonight. Uh, before we get into tonight's episode, um, I am glad to be back. Frenzy, you had a birthday. I'm glad to see you survived your birthday. So happy birthday to you, my friend. Thank you so much. And um, let's just say hello to superfan Jennifer Tochi and Nightwatch in the chat. Now, before we get into tonight's episode, oh, and producer Rachel is in the chat as well. Boo. Uh, with our with our, with our, yeah, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. With our season finale last season, we did Little Monsters and Frenzy, brave soul as he was, tried his uh, peanut butter and onion sandwich. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I figured, why the fuck not? I made myself in my own little, you know, really shitty looking sandwich <laughs> <laughs> container. Yeah. I gave myself one. I'm going to take a bite. Before we do this, just to show that I ain't no pussy, I'm gonna do it like you did. I do got the, the onions in there. Mm. Looks I'm not good. Looking for it. You said it was all right. Yeah, it's great. So. I, I have no oh. idea what your tastes are, though. Like, I can smell it though. So, all right, oh. here we go. We need some good podcast here. Throw up or something. Your brother, it was one of his favorite sandwiches, or he ate them all the time. So it's in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Just just accept it. Feel it. I don't know if the... Feel the love. Well, I got it double layered, but I don't know if it's just there's too much peanut butter on it, because I can't really taste the onion. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it's okay. Yeah. Is it chunky? No, it's creamy. I don't like chunky peanut butter. No, the onions. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're very crunchy. Only fucking psychopaths eat crunchy peanut butter. Honestly. Who the oh, fuck you're gonna eats the crunchy? Too. Do you know what? You're going to say producer Rachel eats crunchy? Yeah, your producer Rachel eats crunchy. No, too. she doesn't. I do. God. Okay. Well, everyone but her is a fucking psycho when it comes to peanut butter. You don't eat. Please just tell me this. Please tell me you don't eat crunchy honey roasted peanut butter. Because that's the grossest of the gross. She responded by saying what? So I don't think she even knew that. It exists, trust me. Honey roasted crunchy. No, she said she eats crunchy peanut butter, but she'll put she'll drizzle honey on top of it. Oh, okay, that's different. Okay, let me watch. There's a bad aftertaste. What do you think? You just can't taste onion? You gotta get. We need more than that. Nothing. Nothing clicking. Not really. No, there was there was not much onion flavor. I think it's because maybe I put on too much peanut butter because I put peanut butter on both pieces of bread. Yeah. But well, here I'll just 
take a singular bite then like i this. tried to make it the same as the movie like i've got a i got a i took a screenshot and everything he had really chunky slices of uh, onion okay that's better much better because there's more of the spice of the onion yeah yeah i just put on too much peanut butter but i'm never doing this again it's not it's that not gross, gross though right i mean it's not like you don't want to throw up yeah, it's it's more gross in thought than it is in yeah. actual flavor. That's that's yeah, good. Gross in smell. But because uh, after the last episode, I looked, I just googled it um, to mm -hmm. see if it was like a thing, and it was like during like the Great Depression and before then, it's a poor people's food. It's mm -hmm. it's it's actually kind of common. There's lots of different variances, but uh, I just assume it was something the writer of Little Monsters thought of, you know, when he was high or something. But it's you know. It kind of um, makes sense. I figured that would be kind of an interesting way. That, that's my birthday present to you, Frenzy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was uh, desperately now, wanting to know if you were going to like that sandwich. You should. We should have your brother on. <laughs> I know. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, but with tonight, uh, sexy monkey Sasha and uh, Roger from Channel Downstar has shown up as well. We're finally going to get to the episode. Um, Making up for lost time, we were going to do this, and then we had our little sabbatical back in October. And Frenzy says, uh, if it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time, we can just have a singular movie episode. Tonight we're talking The Devil's Rejects. Oh. And what, what was that for The Devil's Rejects or for The Onion Smell? <laughs> all right, I'll put it over here. All right. <laughs> the Devil's Rejects, um, one of my, like I said, top five favorite movies of all time. And I don't know where you sit with this one specifically, Frenzy. I'm sure we're going to get into a discussion on at least Rob's filmography. It's fun for the whole family. What'd your daughter think? Did y'all watch it <laughs> well, together? She does know who Captain Spaulding is because I have like a little bobblehead of him. Oh. So, But um, if you haven't seen this, it, it, it technically is a sequel to The House of a Thousand Corpses because there are returning characters and a returning theme. But what I love about this movie first, we're following uh, the Firefly family, Captain Spaulding, Mama, Baby, Otis, fleeing from the, I guess, the, the sheriff of whatever fucking podunk town that they're in. And, um, and that's what it is, them on the land with him chasing them because his brother was killed in the first movie. That's it. But what's great is you don't have to see the first movie to get anything out of this one. I think it's a perfect sequel but also standalone movie as it is. And I am a huge supporter of Rob Zombie's films. Um, there's only one of his movies that I can't, well, I can't say I hate. It was Lords of Salem. I saw it drunk and loved it. I saw it sober and hated it. So I'm just going to have to get like a good buzz going and watch it and see how it really is. But for me, Devil's Rejects from beginning to end, perfect movie for me. And everyone says there isn't, a, you know, there's no perfect movie. I'm just using that in air quotes. But from beginning to end, I absolutely love everything in this movie, you know. And for me, it starts with the amazing lead actors. You know, everyone shits on Sherry Moon Zombie because she's the only one that's in all of Rob's movies. And they say she can't act. You know, for the most part, they're right. But in this, she's great. Bill Mosley. And Sid Haig, you know, the, the top three guys or people that Rob goes to. But not just them. Also, William Forsythe as uh, 
as the sheriff. He is amazing as well. And the reason why I want to say that is these are despicable people, rapists, murderers, you know, they torture people, they do whatever, you know, all the, the bad things, you know, in life that you can think of, and, you know, they get off on it. But what I like about, and not so much Sherry, but more, you know, Sid and Bill, is their charisma is so good. They're so deplorable and disgusting. You keep, but the problem is they're, they're so charismatic that you really follow them and want to see what they do next. And you kind of enjoy watching what they're doing. It's kind of like, I always look towards like Clarence Boddicker from Robocop. You know, he's a sadistic, evil, twisted man, but he's just so fucking cool. You know what I mean? Just in, you know, Kurt Wood Smith's like just line delivery and body language. And I think that is fantastic. You know, you're following these three and, you know, Spalding doesn't join them until maybe halfway through the movie. And then that's when the, the, the chemistry just explodes even more because they're so good. And they are definitely this, this fucked up family because they're always arguing with each other. You know, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to cut your throat, you know, shut the fuck up this and that. But then again, it's, it's like the Bundys and I'm not talking about like, you know, Ted Bundy. I'm talking about like Al Peggy Bundy, you know, you know, they hate each other, but they're the only ones allowed to hate each other. You know, they'll also defend each other to the death. If that makes any sense. And like I said, that's the major crux of this movie is watching what they'll do next. And, it sounds bad enjoying it because you know there's the there's the the semi you know the the oral rape scene in the the, the motel and you know cutting off faces and just beating people to death but it, it's still they have that charisma that they're so i guess you'd say cool to watch if that makes sense how is this this is your top one of your top five yes this is number four right under predator and above sin city why why is it just there in the top five or just why is it in my top five in general? Why? Yeah. In general. In general. Well, well, we're definitely going to, we'll talk about in it, general, yeah. the top five, because this is unlike the other four in your top five to me. Um, I think it's, I think it's the characters, the characters draw me in and we'll get more to it. It's not just the leads, you know, the firefly family themselves and uh, Sheriff Whitell. It's the side characters. Every side character in this movie is amazing as well for their own simple, weird, fucked up reasons. And they're either making me laugh, they're making me cringe, they're doing both. You know, and it's then, you know, and I'll get to it again, it's the perfect mixture of that with the way Rob cuts the movie, with the way they act, the the charisma, the music. It's just, it's a cliche, like lightning in a bottle. It is everything mixes perfectly for me so how much do you hate this movie frenzy well i've i've thought about it for a while i, I saw this in the movie theater mm-hmm. yeah so did i one time and i remember thinking well that's the most white trash thing i've ever seen <laughs> at least that's <laughs> something right like i mm-hmm. when rob zombie hate him or love him he makes a mark like mm-hmm. in one way or another if that whether it's a good mark or a bad mark that's what we're here to talk about mm-hmm. um so coming into this i knew that it's one of your favorite movies mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to talk about this it really is because uh the whole point of this is i try to be as positive as possible 
and mm-hmm. look for the good in everything. But at the same time, uh, <laughs> I gotta well, be I gotta be real with you because I, I I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, no, I've always said you're never gonna hurt my feelings. I don't care. You might be how I wanted you to love Ruben and Ed. You tolerated, thought it was okay. There was a time you hated Nightmare on Elm Street Five, but you at least enjoyed the conversation we have. Oh, I don't yeah. care if you disagree or not. You're never gonna hurt my feelings. You could say Devil Rejects is a piece of shit. I'll still have a fun conversation with you. Yeah. So I'd rather you be honest and you know holding my hand, be like, well, <laughs> it's okay. You know. Yeah. Um. I'm just literally going to disagree with every single thing that you say every single thing to say and then at the same time okay. i just wanted to make it known that i don't sit around thinking about rob zombie i think okay on it he's not like pissing me off and and mm-hmm. he's in the back of my mind and i'm always thinking about him i just think in general he's kind of this con artist who is like like all con artists the death by definition is Okay. He's a grifter in that he puts on this persona and he sells it. He's the he's a brilliant salesman. I give I like to give credit where it's due. He, he is up in the selling. Carnival, so it makes like, sense. You know the the um, what's that song? Um, <laughs> drive through the ditches and burn with the oh, wind. Dragula. 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 Oh, Dragula. Yeah, that's like the white trash national anthem. You know what I mean? And his movies are these epic white trash. They're supposed to be horror, but um, I think Ho- House of Thousand Corpses is more horror, kind of, because it just has yeah, more House cliches. Thousand, to me, House of, House of a Thousand Corpses is more like, you know, it's an homage, air quotes, to uh, Texas Chainsaw. But it, to me, that's more like a 90-minute Rob Zombie music video. Yeah. This is like, I like it as um, a 70s hardcore, like, exploitation grindhouse film you know what i mean yeah and it's the the grittiness the realism and stuff like that but and it's just like it kind of it's just if i have to talk about the movie then which i am we'll make it fun but i I have have literally nothing i have nothing positive to say but maybe like there's all these little things like when you have millions of dollars to spend on your grindhouse movie Mm -hmm. and like even more millions for your soundtrack it kind of like negates the reality you're trying to build you're making this grindhouse 70s movie but you have these giant huge songs in it because you're rob zombie and you have unlimited funds to put these giant songs in your movie there's lots of stuff like that like what's disappointing for me other than i i don't hate this movie it doesn't piss me off it's just like it's lesser than the juggalo thing like the okay. with the juggalo thing i get that because there's this community of love and mm. white trashness with this it's to me it's just suckers like he's just hooking in suckers on the outskirts of uh the mainstream that, that's just okay. my opinion these are the these are the guy people that like this are the people that hang out at truck stops and like <laughs> You know, like at lunch in high school, they're the ones that sat outside by the, by the Coke machines and, you know, uh-huh. they're, they're, you know, antisocial and stuff. Um, the dreadlocks and the hair and stuff. I, I don't get it. But um, one thing I was disappointed with this movie, honestly, was that uh-huh. I don't think this is a sequel to House of Thousand Corpses. They, it, if it is, it's just in, because the characters have the same names. The only thing that uh-huh. carries over 
mm-hmm. is lit to me is his name is Captain Spaulding, right? I mean, he's basically the same character, but the biggest disappointment is that Bill Mosley is not playing the same character in this movie because I just watched it. Right. right. They, they may say he is, but he's he so let me down in this one because let's just let's just talk about Bill Mosley for a second, okay? Yeah. Go for it, bud. It's this sad guy who wanted to be a like a real actor, right? Oh, we're talking you, about him in general. In, in general, and then it applies to the movie. It's like he wanted to be a real actor, went to Yale or whatever. He obviously doesn't like horror movies. <laughs> if the interviews I've seen with him, he's like open he's open about it. It this is just the thing. He's kind of been living off of this chop top esque um hit character in this minor weird sequel to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a very long time, kinda like really stretching that out. He's kinda mm-hmm. like, you know how um, James Cameron has uh, what's his name? Well, we're always talking about Lance Henriksen. Like he yeah. got lucky. I think mm-hmm. uh, Bill Mosley's like Rob Zombie's Lance Henriksen. Like it's the, the like because he's such a charismatic, mm-hmm. larger than life actor. He really is. He yeah. puts he's off hit. this. He has this incredible persona. But all that aside, in this movie, he's not playing. The, the character I liked in House of Thousand Corpses, which is just really creepy, like um, okay, actual me... psychotic. And in this one, he's just a lame version of Charles Manson. Did you like uh, House of Thousand Corpses? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Of course I didn't like it. But I did admire the fact that Rob Zombie wasn't pretending to be something mm-hmm. that he's not. Like mm-hmm. in this movie, he's pretending to be the 70 grindhouse Quentin Tarantino guy when with house of thousand corpses, he is literally uh-huh. making a music video. It's a, it's a white zombie music video horror fest with like, okay. with homages to things I recognize and mm-hmm. like actually care about. And it's actually kind of, I kind of admire how ridiculous it is. Like this is just three white trash people torturing people. And, and House of Thousand Corpses, it goes to ridiculous lengths. By the end of it, I remember seeing that in the theater, too. I was like, holy shit. Like, he really went for it. I didn't like it. But I was like, good good for you, Rob Zombie. At least you try to do something I've never seen before in a movie. And um, with this one, all that, I know you got a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Bill Mosley, Bill Mosley, to me, is just really lame. He's just, a, he's doing this, in this movie, he's doing this. And it's like right down to the beard and everything. It's kind of obvious. He's got the he's got the same catchphrases and everything. He's doing this clone, lame ass version of Charles Manson. And for me, it doesn't well, work because I well, I want to see the psychotic mm-hmm. horror movie character from the first movie that supposedly this is a sequel to, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's like you were talking <laughs> about how to me the the. Uh, Mosley and Sherry Muzomber, whatever her name is, they're they're mm-hmm. like annoying, bickering brother and sister. They're, brother and sister. they're the yes. brother and sister. Like they're they're the whole crux of this. And they shoehorned Rob Zombie. It, to me, it seems like obviously he shoehorned the clown in as their father. Like because mm-hmm. that's not addressed in the first movie. It has nothing well, to do with that. Yeah, we'll get to it. And Go it ahead. takes forever for him to even show up. And um, so this this Firefly family trilogy thing. I don't get it. You 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 got some explaining to do. Okay. Well, 
<clears throat> we would. Well, I'm not even trying to rant. I'm just talking. No, 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 no. I understand it. I, I like that because, this, like I said, this is why I pick certain films because of the conversation. Now, it's no seek. It's no. It's, they're not trying to hide the fact that that Otis is trying to be like Charles Manson. Um, Nightwatch said, you know, he changed the character to mimic Manson, and it was a decision of his and zombies, which I prefer because. Don't get me wrong. I loved House of a Thousand Corpses. That's the perfect Halloween type movie because everything is so goofy and weird and spooky and it over is the on top. Halloween. And, and it, it takes place on Halloween too. But and I liked Mosley as the as the weird, creepy albino who had the girls tied up in his bedroom and torturing the cheerleaders. Yeah, and shit but like he's that. not doing he's not doing Chop Top and he's not doing Charles Manson. It's this weird line that he rides in that first one that's really creepy to me. Like a like a true psychotic. Yeah, but see, I think he's more scary in The Devil's Rejects because he's less cartoony to me. He's he's more real. That's the whole movie. And, and it's that's what's more scary when you when you look at the realism in these type of serial killer movies. You know, Michael Rooker in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. He's terrifying because you know the way that movie is filmed. You know, it's based on Henry Henry Lee Lucas, so it really happened. But just the way it's filmed, the realism and in his performance. And this is a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses, not just because it's the same fucking names. Tom Tolles was killed in the first film. In the scene where, you know, with Walton Goggins and, and you know, Bill Mosley, you know, shoots Walton Goggins in the head. Tom Tolles is the, is the officer who goes into, Tom Tolles, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. He was, he was Otis. He walks into the Firefly house and he's the one talking to, to Mama Firefly. Yeah, who Karen, Karen Black, Black kills him. The real Mama Firefly. Uh, well, <laughs> I prefer, the, uh, I think, was it Leslie Easterbrook? I think I prefer her more. But... And then Tom Tolles is in The Devil's Rejects. When William Forsyth is having that little nightmare, yeah. it's Tom Tolles, you know, saying, get revenge for me. So there is your connection, whether it's, you know, Albino Otis and Charles Manson Otis, it's still a direct sequel because of the... Oh, I understand turning. that. I just watched it. I, I get that. <laughs> I get the, the, the A to B stuff. I just think it's mm -hmm. terrible. I, I think the... The motivations, I mean, it's just the most cliche thing ever, but uh doesn't give me, it doesn't make me, I, I'm not invested in this character because he he's saying that they, they, you know, he's the brother of the other sheriff or whatever he was in the first one. Mm -hmm. Like, but really? See, that's, why, that's, that's your why connection? I, but see, that's why I love William Forsythe in this character. Where is Dr. Satan? Where are the monster things? Where, where are the thousand court, where would all that go? Dr. Satan is was filmed. There is a deleted scene where he rips Rosario Dawson's throat out at the hospital. But then Rob realized, like, hey, if I'm making this more realistic, I can't have some fucking zombie-looking dude rip Well, why out, not just make a different movie with the same actors and have just give them different names? It's like a lot of directors take the same ensemble, change their names. You know, you're going to – I know that – I'll bet money that the character, the new characters is going to write are white trash serial killers. So it's not of a stretch there. <laughs> Why does right. it have to be connected? I don't understand. Because to me, the the Doctor Satan crazy shit at the end—that's mm -hmm. my favorite part. Like, and mm -hmm. if if you're just like, and I I know you're like crazy when it comes to OCD and connections and stuff. Like, you give it a pass because they say that his sheriff, 
not uh, just brother. That they say. His, no, 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 not just yeah. they say, but they physic you physically see the guy, same name. Okay, same yeah, everything. but but a the big giant chunk of the first movie that this is uh -huh. supposedly connected to, it's a it's a it's a linchpin in the plot and the whole movie, Doctor Satan stuff, if you don't have that, it kind of falls apart. They're just ignoring that? That doesn't exist anymore? It's where never brought are the up, layer the where is the underground layer of, of these goblin people things and the Dr. Satan serial killer? What happened to how do we, let's see. It's never mentioned. How do we know that this is the same house as well? You know? I, but I, this I, one's I, in the middle of this one's in the middle of the note and nowhere just, in a Who cares though? I bear, like I I remember seeing <laughs> this in the theater like I barely cared enough. And mm -hmm. then like you're making me do too much work here. Like suspend, I'm suspending too much fucking disbelief having to watch a fucking silly horror movie, which which turns out he subverted. Right? I know, I know what you're gonna say. I've heard it a thousand times. That's what's so great about this one. It's not really a horror movie. It's an exploitation, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. But see, which but see, no, no, it's not. But see, because there's so much good. It's because another thing I'm a fan of is revenge movies, and that's why I love Sheriff Wydell. Uh, William Forsythe's character because he's trying to uphold the law and this and that but he really wants to get these fuckers for revenge and that is what is a great yeah crux in his development because he you know he he gives that I love that monologue he's given to himself when he's trying to psych himself up when he's talking to the mirror and he's saying you know I don't know if he's talking directly to his brother or if he's praying to God or whatever, but he's saying, you know, for so long, I tried to walk that line and do good and this and that, but basically these guys are pushing me over it. Yeah. William Forsythe, I don't know a lot of him other than the Rob Zombie stuff he's done other or raising Arizona or Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. He's always this big, dumb, goofy retard. You know what I mean? Here. I absolutely love him because of his performance. That monologue when he is getting so intense and it's he's just, you know, he's psyching himself up. And by the end, when he throws a fucking cigar at the at the the mirror, I'm just like, okay, this guy's ready to do some shit. And this isn't the goofy guy that got pulled out of the ground by John Goodman in Raising Arizona. You know what I mean? Oh, that yeah. Serial. Oh, I, I love him. I think uh you need to desperately see the Lance Hendrickson movie of my choice, if you like William Forsythe. Okay. If we ever fucking get to watch that movie, then you'll really appreciate him even more. And um, Out for Justice, Steven Seagal. The the first five Steven Seagal movies are classics. And Out okay. for Justice, he plays Richie, the literal psychotic, uh, like mm -hmm. murdering fucking gangster goon. Amazing. He's actually scary I've, in that movie. I've only seen, uh, was it Marked for Death and Under Siege? But I'll tell yeah. you, everyone says Out for Justice is Seagal's best one. Yeah, I like I th I mean we can do a whole episode on that. I defend the first five are, and just straight up classics like okay, action movies. But um, yeah, you know what? I I do like him in that. That that is I guess that's a positive thing. He is good in this. I win. He's good no, in this, right. and the the revenge thing. I mean, yeah. uh, it works because you want to see like. It, it, it's not so much like the universal thing, brothers, sisters, family, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's there. Mm -hmm. It's his brother. Okay. He's, there's a, mm -hmm. it's one of these stupid, like him talking to him, tell him to go get him, you know, get these pieces of shit. I, I, I kind of like that and stuff. But okay. I'm, what's more interesting to me is that he's a cop and that, you know, mm -hmm. having to go 
you know, to break the rules, bend the rules to get these pieces of shit. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. th that's done a lot too, but I kind of like this one because mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really like, he's a, I'm not saying he, he steals all the scenes. He's like the, he, it's his movie basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? When it's he, not the, the trio, it's, it's him. It's what what he's doing is what's causing everything to happen to the Firefly family. His yeah. pursuit of them is where they get in these all these wacky adventures and all this shit. And that I think he, you know, as much as I love Bill and Sid and even Sherry in this in this film, I think the best character and best performance is, is Williams in this, uh, hands down. Oh yeah, and that's that's unfortunate because Sid Haig is a really good character actor. Just, yeah. just in general, even outside of these zombie, I don't, I, I, I said I wasn't going to call Rob Zombie. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just play nice. I was going to call him by his real name. Okay, Rob Zombie. Um, Sid hates good and other stuff, but the thing, it's really disappointing for me now because you know, I don't know how many years ago, fifteen, twenty years when I when I first saw this, the only time I saw this, I didn't know mm -hmm. who Bill Mosley was. Me neither. And now, you know, going back and like. Uh, it's just disappointing that I think that his character's so lame in this one. I think it's really, Oh yeah. The, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I, I'm not feeling the, the Charles Manson thing. I know that that was the point, but uh, That's okay. it's just, it doesn't work for everybody. This does not work for me. I think he's kind okay. of like ruined in this one. And of course the Sherry moon Zappa, whatever her name is, she obviously sucks, but in this one, she's different too. She's not as much of a psycho baby doll, baby baby girl, as in mm -hmm. the first one, I think. She's a little toned down in this one, but I liked it. I liked it because she was too childlike for me. Everyone's toned down. It's because the whole movie is is trying to be like it's hyper realism, hyper realism. Mm -hmm. So they have to. Even Captain Spaulding's toned down too, to me. But mm -hmm. when he gets time. to shine. He has some incredible moments, and my like one of my favorites is the um, uh, what's her name from Stripes and all those in Halloween. He he PJ runs Souls. It, huh? PJ Souls. PJ Souls. Yes, you you yeah. know everyone's name. Oh, I, I I've had a crush on PJ Souls since I was a kid. So. Oh, I love her absolutely. Everyone did. And and, a, a shout out, just a call back to our Uncle Sam episode. Remember, she was wasted in that movie. Yes. Well, in this one, um, that's a an amazing moment where. I wish there was more stuff like that, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it's like this isn't about Captain Spaulding. I wish I wish he had his own movie or something. I wish yeah. there were more moments, but I mean, approaches the mom and tells her he's taking the car, and then the shit that he says to the kid. Oh, I gotta he, give he, credit. Headbutter. Yeah. The shit that he says to the kid, I'll give Rob Zombie credit for that. Good scene. There's one. There's a couple good scenes, I guess. Okay. But uh, most of it, I've I've already forgotten. So you got to spark my memories. All right, uh, shout out and uh, to King Nigore. Corey's here. Whitey the White Guy. Glad to have you guys here. Um, well, you've, we've we've talked enough about, I guess, Bill Mosley. Like, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving the new Manson type vibe. You're hating it. Um, I'm not hating I, it. I, disappointed. Just disappointed. Okay, disappointed. Disappointed. Before before we okay. move on, because I'm never I'm never gonna watch the Three from Hell. Okay. That's not happening because I just watched this and I was like, it's like fuck me. I appreciate the music and stuff. <laughs> Just yeah. tell me what is he like in that one? Is there another who? transition? Um, who, who, who like? The, the Bill Moses character, Otis. Same character. Same character. He's the Charles Manson. Yes, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. No chance. Um, no. We're, we're getting into it. Three from Hell. I didn't like the first half very much, 
when they're breaking out of prison and trying to get to Mexico. But once they are in Mexico, I really, really enjoy it. So. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. There's I'll no point in your word for it. Because you said you'll never see it. Never happened. Um, uh, Sherry, I, I really like her in this one because she's still a little bit childlike. But, you know, I think she she's and she's toned down. And again, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I like this one with Sid more, Sid Haig, because we get more of him in this doing stuff than in House of a Thousand Corpses. Because in House, he's just behind the fucking desk. You know, he kills those two bank robbers or those two robbers in the beginning. And then he basically tells Walton Goggins to fuck off. And then he's gone for the rest of the movie. Here we get so much. And again, this man is so charismatic. He, this movie made me want to watch other Sid Haig movies. Like, Every time that fucker pops up, he's fantastic. Even then, he did a shitty, like, Night of the Living Dead remake. He was great in that. He was, uh, he steals a scene in Hatchet 3, of all fucking things, you know, as, like, the racist country bumpkin. I still need to see Spider Baby. When he passed, everyone was talking about this movie called Spider Baby. And uh, I heard that was really good. And what I like is when you add him to the mix, it just gels even more just because the way they can fucking play off each other. And I just think that speaks to the talent and charisma of Bill, of Sid, and kind of a little bit of Sherry when she gets a little bit more comfortable. And that's what I love, this this cohesive, you know, the, the way they work together, I think is perfect. But that's just me. Now, another thing I love about this and about Rob in general is he always, he's really good at showing you that people are still alive meaning like it's hey it's that guy he's in this movie i haven't seen him in 20 years you know yeah. hey it's that guy this movie is fucking full of that not just you know ken forey we know he's in everything now too he's like bill he's like the black bill mosley you know he pops up in just as much stuff but we have um eg daily who i have been in love with since i was a kid you know peewee's big adventure she was dotty yeah. And what does she do? She plays a hooker of all things. You know, that's great for me. It's like when Marissa Tomei was, was the stripper and the wrestler. You know, that was my childhood, you know, <laughs> coming into my adulthood. But then you have Michael Berryman in it. He is funny. Even with that weird, you know, scene where they're buying the roosters. He's great. Um, Diamond Dallas Page and Danny Trejo as the bounty hunters are great. You know, so many. PJ Souls is great. Ginger Lynn, when she's in that, that dream where she's fucking Captain Spaulding. You know, and then she shoots him in the face and he wakes up next to the fat chick. That's a memorable scene because of all these people that Rob can just be like, it's like the sci-fi channel when they're making a new like Sharknado or Sharktopus or whatever. And like, okay, Jaleel White hasn't worked in 35 years. Let's get him. Rob's like, no, let's get this person instead. Yeah. Like 31, he gets uh, Freddie Boom Boom Washington from Welcome Back, Cotter. He's in that. Mickey Dolenz is in his first Halloween movie you know, selling the gun to uh, Dr. Loomis, you know. And it's really cool just seeing like, hey, that person's good. And usually they're always in a memorable scene. Um, the other hooker is played by uh, the girl from the Warriors, you know, the one that they take hostage or whatever. So again, all these side characters, especially in this movie, have a place other than that weird Groucho scene. <laughs> but that seems still memorable, even for just kind of being dumb and pointless. Every single character in this film for me has a purpose and it just makes it just makes it so much fun. And then again, like it's, it's someone like E.G. Daly, who I grew up with. Okay, oh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 
Rugrats. She's a, you know all these cartoon voices. And then you know she it's cool. She plays she plays a hooker in Dutch. She plays a hooker in this. Mm-hmm. You know she's one of the prostitutes that pick up uh, Ed O'Neill and, and the kid. And just the way she is, it's cool seeing a person do like a 180 in their acting, like what you're used to. And then you see that E.G. Daly is just, you know, this foul mouth little, little harlot. And I, I, I love it. And it, we just watched Better Off Dead the other day. You know, she sings a theme song. Love it. It's just, yeah, there's the way he chooses, you know, these random people, I think is perfect as well. I, th- I agree to a certain to, to a certain degree. I like the idea of it of him but he's just it there he's just not as successful as like Quentin Tarantino is as it of giving them something to do like he's he's his friend I'm guessing should take a page out of his book give these obscure people that you love more to do E.G. Daly definitely remember her she was great and I really liked but everyone else I mean yes you recognize them I don't remember they didn't have standout moments or characters and I think that's just bad, right? It's just Rob Zombie's bad writer, but I did like Diamond Dallas Page. Like, mm-hmm. Danny Trejo, he's the same in every goddamn movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Mexican with bad skin who's a biker or whatever. But yeah. that, I've never seen DDP in a mm-hmm. movie, I don't think. Maybe as a background character or something, but I liked his look and, like... Oh, yeah, because when you see him, like... I don't know if you're a wrestling guy, but when you see Diamond Dallas Page, you know, he's got those tats are real. No, that was my cutoff. The hmm? NWO and then Diamond Dallas Page, Steve Austin. I that's where hmm. I stopped as a kid. So okay. that's all beyond but, me. You know the tattoos are real, but he had the you know the, the the flowing curly blonde mullet, and in this he's got the slick back, dirty, hasn't been washed in six months, black Disgusting. hair, and he's got those nasty fucking the teeth. scars. And, and I've seen him in a couple of horror movies before. Um, he's, he's decent. He's got charisma, you know. Yeah. And, but in this, you're right. He is this this dirty, disgusting scumbag. But he uses his charisma, you know, because he he he's been doing it for decades, you know, in front of live audiences and crowds and stuff on the fly. But like, I love when like him and Danny Trejo are like grilling outside of the fucking like one of their trailers, <laughs> yeah. and you know they're just flipping burgers. And then uh, some bitch opens up the door. She says, hey, Billy, you know, because he plays Billy Ray Snapper. You know, you know, your mom's on the phone. You want me to call, tell her to call back? She's like, no, the bitch owes me 10 bucks. Yeah. Give me the phone, you know. He's just so good. And just he's got a presence. You know, just him with his body language due to professional wrestling, too. When he's just standing there, you know, hasn't showered in six months, and he's just got toothpick in his mouth, he has this presence of a dude you don't want to fuck with, even though, even if you didn't know he was a bounty hunter. You know what I mean? Yes, and, <laughs> but it's like I agree with you, I because mm-hmm. I brought him up. I, I I he was one of my favorite little cameo characters. He's a bigger than a cameo. Yeah, but then it just dissolves like everything else in this movie into nothing. Like they they're supposed to be these bad. He they even have a dumb name. They're like the the sinister the two. What are they called? The unholy two. The unholy two. They show up. Rob Zombie but does I the thing. I love that name because it. It sounds stupid because these are just two trailer trash losers. But so it goes with them. You know, you can't take them serious. You look at them, you can't take them serious because Danny Trejo is pushing 80, maybe. DDP's in his 50s. Yes, but in the, in the context of the movie universe and the story, they do. He, William Forsythe does take them seriously enough to, to right. trust them to catch these serial killers that have killed 100 people. 
and they do right, catch but them. Like, but what I like is, and then again, because there's there's the there's the scene after the motel where Forsythe gives him the information, and Danny Trio's like, "Wow, what a couple stupid retarded names!" And then he's like, "Look who's talking, Rondo." Yeah. So they have this dumb, they, you know, they have both of their names are stupid, Rondo and Billy Ray Snap. Okay, Diamond Dallas Page sounds like a fucking wrestler. Billy as Billy Ray Snap. Okay. Billy Ray Cyrus. The unholy, yeah, they're called the unholy two. You can't take that serious. You look at them, you got an old man and you got an older man. So you're not really, if you look at them just by name and looks only, other than Dallas being like 6'5", and you know he can still kick your ass, but just by knowing him as DDP, yeah. you're not going to take them serious. But what I like about it is they get the job done. When they get to the brothel, they beat the shit out of Otis. They beat the shit out of Spalding. And then they kill the two hookers and they get the job done and that's what i like you have the goofy names and persona but and then you know following the the burger flipping scene or whatever are we going to take them serious do you think they're going to be successful when they get to the brothel first time i saw this i didn't know but then you do take them serious because they don't just kick the firefly family's ass they destroy them there's no back and forth with the fights and that's what i really like about these characters as well yeah well i my whole point was on the surface, I don't care about Danny Trejo, but the Diamond Dallas Page, I kind of care. But then it, it, this, this, it's this thing that just keeps ha- this Rob Zombie thing, where they just go away in my mind, and I don't. I just watched it, and I don't remember what happens because he goes into slow motion bullshit with music playing. You can't hear what they're saying. DDP's laughing. He, he, they kill a couple people, put them in the car. Then what happened to them? Because they, that's how little I cared. That's how little I cared about these people. I don't even remember how the that scene resolved. What happened to the, the unholy two? They they left. That's it. You never see them again because they're paid to do a job. They did their job. They're gone. Why do they need to stay around? I don't know what they were there in the first place to do anyway. They, she, he, one of them cuts a, a stripper's throat. They catch yeah. the the all the people off guard. One in the bath. One high on a couch. One mm-hmm. fucking. Why couldn't Bill mm-hmm. Forsythe do that? What did the unholy two? What are so? It doesn't make any sense. And then they're gone, and it, it's for nothing. They're gone because they're not needed anymore. But they didn't they do fired. anything. They didn't do anything. They, they were able to find out where they were held up, hold up at. They were able to get them into Forsythe's possession. That's why they were hired because Forsythe is getting the house ready to do his fucking torture shit with them. They got the, they did the job, they got paid, and then they took off. Okay, that's all I, that they were needed for. I, I just think it's lame. I think it's I think it's unfortunate. I don't care. I, I'll say it again. I don't care about Danny Trejo, but just kind of unfortunate. They could have he could have done something cooler with all of these cameo people and side characters. I think. It's, well, to, to, if you weren't going to watch Three from Hell before, Danny Trejo returns in Three from Hell, but there is no Diamond Dallas Page. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> no, yeah. that's fucked. Yeah. They should have brought him back. Yeah. But, um, okay. Well, before I go into my next point of why I enjoy this movie, you talked about how there's, you know, there's music, but no dialogue. And again, that's one of my favorite scenes. You know, not just, you know, the whole scene where, you know, they're killing the hookers and Otis gets thrown out the window. That's great. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes that is like that is they're thrown in the back of the paddy wagon or whatever you want to call it. And Forsyth is driving. 
there's nothing but like those that drumming and everything. Yeah. And you don't see what's going on with the Firefly family. You just see that car driving through the fucking wherever it's going, and it's just a close-up pan uh, shot of just foresight, like just fucking, you know, banshee laughing, and you don't hear the laugh. That is a I love when Rob does these kind of choices. And I was going to talk about this later on, but you know, we'll just go. I like to that too. Now. I like that too. But that's literally five seconds after. I'm talking about the the enormous scene before that mm-hmm. of one of many of gratuitous slow motion and music montage stuff that is like cringe worthy. Like the the that is a beautiful moment with Forsyth in the car where he's just like looking exactly. at them in the mirror. Yes, yeah, but that comes after this atrocious scene right before. That's the of course like you were talking about. No one says there's a perfect movie. I do. There are perfect movies. Okay. The but this all movies no matter how bad they are even rob zombie mm-hmm. movies ha- are gonna have little nuggets of gold in them for the most part especially if you're spending this much goddamn money on a on an exploitation movie or which is ludicrous um but to me it's like it, you got to be pretty smart to 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 pull it off really well so that it's mm-hmm. seamless and that it's memorable and like people give a shit and i'm talking about these kinds of transitions with the slow motion uh action and and rock music playing and for me it just didn't work like at all it works really well in um because hey i remember i remember it i never (laughs) forgot it it happened in one time in house of thousand corpses okay really well done scene slow motion with the music the music fades away he's got the gun up to goggins's head holds on it forever that's like a brilliant moment in this you know retarded funhouse movie mm-hmm. this movie didn't have any of those for me really? almost towards the end i know you're gonna we're gonna talk about the end it, it almost works for me the, yeah. the free okay. bird thing mm-hmm. but swing and a miss for me okay well, well we'll say what i was gonna say for the end because that, that happens during the free bird scene again okay another thing i really like about this film is the brutality of it and then you might say it's another missed opportunity because you don't, I just found out you didn't really care for uh, Bill Mosley's Manson type turn to, uh, to Otis. I love, you know, I think I don't like gunfights. I'm a guy like if there's going to be like, if it's a horror movie, I'm more of like a hand on hand type of guy. I want, you know, strangulations, you know, neck snaps that and stuff like that. I like Otis because he's more, the, the shootout in the very beginning, which I think was an amazing way to open this film with Forsyth and everybody just blowing to hell, blowing the house to hell. But what I liked about Otis in this, and then again, even with Baby, is they're more hand-to-hand type people. You know, they're they're using knives and stuff. And that's, that's to me, it's more brutal to use a knife on someone than to just fucking shoot them. And again, the brutality in this is when he's taking the two guys out to the desert to go get the guns. And he just beats that poor old man to death after he's, you know, blessing the bunnies and the little birds and all that stuff. It's, it's really an uncomfortable scene, but it's just, you know, it's one of those, like you can't take your eyes away. And it's just like, if this man, Otis will beat this poor little, you know, five foot two type of guy, you know, to death and enjoy it, what else will he do? And it makes me wonder where this film is going to go. And it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere after like that's the whole it's this everything you're gonna say dissolves into nothingness 
He doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. He never does anything that's memorable and truly, truly scary or horrific. Like, like, like. Have you seen? Okay. Like, I have really so many in my head. Seems really scary or horrific. You don't think what he did to uh, the chick from Police Academy, you know, making her get on her knees and blow him in no, front and, of her. And I'll argue because I just watched it. I'll argue that's not even a real blowjob. I'll say it's simulated. Doesn't even look like his pants were off. Looks like he was making her mime it, which is even lamer. Rob Zombie was scared of the critics in this one regard for this movie, where he did, he mm. couldn't get Bill Mosley to take his jeans off. I think he had him unbuttoned and his fly was down. I, I couldn't tell. It looked like he had him on. Either way, it just you know was I that a memorable like, scene? It was that a memorable scene? That. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Have you seen? Look, there's a thousand of these in movies. Have you seen um, Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey? No. Okay. Here's one. I don't. I, don't, I hate to spoil it for you, but when Killer, Killer Joe, J O E, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Killer yeah. Joe, Matthew McConaughey, William Freakin, director of Exorcist, and Cruz in my favorite movie. Gotcha. Oh, I can't tell you because you haven't seen it. Um, I, I I really can't. I can't spoil that for you. Um, another one. Uh, have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? I've seen bits and pieces of. I know how it ends. That's Guillermo del about. Toro. Do you remember the part where the Nazi smashes the dad's face in with the gun? Mm-hmm can't forget that right it's so brutal and i'm not talking just because it's jews and nazis mm -hmm. there's all these scenes and horror movies and things where it's so brutal and it completely like subverts all your expectations because up to this point i thought well this guy's just kind of a mediocre uh run-of-the-mill nazi in a movie and then oh god there's something so brutal i've never seen it before and then in this movie what you were just saying with bill mosley's this manson thing yeah I've mm -hmm. seen it all before. This, if you're going for some kind of like shocking '70s exploitation movie, you have to bring the shock at least a couple times. And I don't think Bill Mosley ever does that at all. I, my whole point is, there's just when you're watching a movie and you're only thinking of other movies, better movies. That's a problem for me. And we, I talk about this like almost every episode. I'm, I was thinking about all these other shocking moments, especially Killer Joe. Uh -huh. Okay. Where you're like, holy fuck, I can't believe he's doing this. And it's disappointing. I'm not saying this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Right. I'm saying I'm disappointed with Rob Zombie because he had so much power. At this point, making these movies, especially House of Thousand of Corpses. Like, he's on top of the world at that point with the, with the record companies. And, and to have all this power and to puss out so hard for me, personally. I think he's kind of okay. pussing out in this movie. Because they don't ever do anything that's that's shocking at all. I know that's not the point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when, like, I know you like, I'll just bring it up. Who's very okay. similar to Rob Zombie to me is Eli Roth. I think he's another kind of fraud hack. But at least Eli Roth brings it with memorable, fucking horrific, gorish things that happen. It's not in all of them, but you know what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. I just think that huge missed opportunity here. I, I it's just like I didn't want to come on here and shit on Bill Mosley. No, no, but it's not his fault. Him. It's not his fault. He didn't write this movie, and maybe he should have. Um, if you're gonna do this Charles Manson thing, just don't spout catchphrases. Do something. You know what I mean? Bring it. Like make the the critics and all the people that hate you, Rob Zombie. The, all the people, the, the public, the the. The critics and the, the writers that have to sit through, the bloggers that have to sit through this shit, mm -hmm. give them something to write about. You know what I mean? 
Like, really? Give give me one of these. That's what I wanted. You know what I mean? Like, give me something hardcore. And it's just million-dollar songs in slow motion with fake viol- CGI violence and a bunch of cameos, a bunch of assholes I don't care about. Honestly. <laughs> I don't care that your wife has no tits and no ass and you think she's hot and you, she dances and acts like an idiot. I'd be like, I don't care. Like, what am I supposed to care about? You got you got nothing, zombie. You got nothing. You know, I think we need to change this podcast to missed opportunities. Shit, yeah. Like- Fuck yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you're really drawing this out of me now. I didn't I want know. to say any of this stuff. I wanted to be nice. No, no, say it. That's what I say. You know, just because I love something doesn't mean you have to. It's one of these things. I, I was talking about, like, um, Bruce Campbell... I really think Bill Mosley's one of these guys. I, I feel sorry for him. He's you so feel much... sorry for, for Bruce Campbell? Oh, yeah, big time. I think, you don't remember I've said this a million times. <laughs> I've told you, in many podcasts, people, you know, if you're listening, you you've heard me talk about Bruce Campbell. I have a hard time remembering, dude. Yeah, Bruce Campbell should have been a movie star, like a legitimate movie star. He's so charismatic, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead movie... Uh, it doesn't make sense that he's been, he was subjugated to the shitty B-movie stuff. doesn't make any sense. Bill Mosley's absolutely amazing. Yes. I mean, he's he's in a different league than Bruce Campbell, but it's the, it, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of uh, point I'm trying to make. Well, I get it. Bill Mosley's not a household name. He's not in mainstream. He's not in regular movies because he got – he. I don't know if it's his decision or what happened. He If he – was hard to work with and he got stuck doing these horror things or just a sad thing he's so I awesome think he just got, i think he just probably he just got typecast as the go-to horror guy because of chop top i know but you that's know? so crazy and, because the thing is, and the thing is you know it's not a knock on bill he's he's got a specific look to him because he's got you know like bill he's got a big chin he's very gaunt very you know mm-hmm. skinny so he he's got a specific look that's why he, he looks like he would be a serial killer that's why you had him in uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 or, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 when he played Ricky with the Brain Dome and shit like that. I actually do like that one. See, I don't like that one because I was a Bill Mosley fan due to his charisma before I saw Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, and he's only yeah. got like two fucking lines in that movie. So that's why there's the missed opportunity for me, but that doesn't really count because that was made before all the other the Bill Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. You're not going to – you can't get – you can't be expecting Chop Top every movie that he makes. I no. like the, we watched we okay. talked about the Silent Night Deadly Night ones though. I mean that one people shit on hard and I think it's kind of this like really slow burn wonderful beautiful beautifully made movie to me. I love that. You know I love the slow burn stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely better than that witch one. What was, oh, was it? The, the uh, part 4 initiation. Oh my god. The man hating witches and the Clint Howard rape scene. I, and yeah, the bug. I, you gotta at least admit it's better than that. Oh, it is. Holy it is. shit! But see, Bill's always every time Bill pops up, like he's even in the Blob remake as one of the sanitation guys or yes. whatever the government guys. I just and uh, just, I love that he's movie. He's so good in that for like two minutes. Yeah, he should have been way and more. Yeah. Well. Let's it, go on to something else. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't mean to make it depressing, but you know what I'm saying? Like he should be more famous. Yeah. Like. I, I just feel instead like of he, doing, instead of doing horror conventions for 20 bucks a fucking autograph, he should have, a, he should be he an should A-lister. Be yeah. He should be he an should A-lister. Be, 
more more than just you know chop top and otis like think you about I mean? like why the fuck is uh, what kind of world do we live in what kind of justice is there that people like just throwing this out here he married one of my heroes roseanne barr but how the fuck did tom arnold was briefly an a-lister you know what i mean like for a while he was he was an a-list sidekick in movies and stuff and true lies and tv uh, and things almost not quite a-lister how is well, tom maybe, arnold more famous than bill mosley was oh he was more famous than bill mosley oh, 10 times more famous do... i'm saying what kind of justice is that well it's not justice but it's just it's it's who who he knew you know, he knew, you know, Roseanne was a big name. Who the fuck famous did Bill Mosley know? Yeah, he Until him. he met Rob Zombie. Yeah, he's not a hustler. Rob Zombie's a hustler. He hustles. He hustles. Well, like I, like I said, you know, he grew up in the circus. You know, his his grandparents worked in the actual circus. You told me life. that. So, so he, and, and, he was, it was, they, in, they, it they, was they, bred they, into him. Yeah. So he knows how to hustle. And, you know, he learning about his past is amazing you know that and you know working on peewee's playhouse is like a production designer so that makes you understand like all the illustrations and like the album covers and shit he does and he did the the um he helped do the animation in the uh beavis and butthead do america when they're doing their their, their little trippy scene in the desert that's that's his animation hmm. i didn't so, know he did animation mm-hmm. or at least those were his designs and he helped a- animate it or design it Huh. I love uh, if Channel Domstar is still in the chat. Um, El Super Bisto, that animated movie of his, is fucking hilarious. You told me I about that one. I absolutely love it. I suggest you. We don't have to. We're not going to do it for the show. There's no way I think we can talk enough about it because it's only like an hour long. But if I think you would enjoy it or at least appreciate it as a fan of like Ren and Stimpy type animation and stuff like that, I'm, I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it because if you said that he did animation in Beavis and Butthead. That mm-hmm. means he's like friends with Mike Judge. Mm-hmm. If you're friends with Mike Judge, you're like, you know, we're friends. Well, that, that, that also well explains a lot too with the MTV connection of Beavis mm-hmm. and Butthead and Mike Judge. Right, right. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, maybe Rob Zombie. You know, I don't know what the fuck he's doing now. Maybe do a movie about your life. Well, instead he, of about you know serial book? killers. <laughs> Well, he just got, he just released a new album. What he does is he does album, movie, album, movie, and so on. Mm. He just released a, a new album this month or last month. And his next movie that he's trying to do is he's, a, you know, he's a huge fan of the Marx Brothers. Loves them. That's why he named all the fucking, you know, Firefly oh. family. Oh, no. I don't want to hear this. Please don't tell no, me he's he, doing a Marx Brothers movie. Well, I've heard he's going to do a Munsters movie. Which everyone's like, you know, they're worried about making, you know, that makes a, sense. A crackhead and stuff. But I think Rob is going, it loves the source material so much, he will do it justice. He won't disrespect it and like make Marilyn Munson a crack whore or something like that. But, and I don't even, Rob's never even confirmed that either, the whole monster thing. Who cares if he does? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I think Don Star's here. He says he loved Bisto. He wants to do a movie on the last years of Groucho Marx's life based on whatever that book that was written. Interesting. And again, with him loving the source material, he loves the Marx Brothers, like absolutely loves the Marx Brothers. I think he will give them the respect that they deserve. It's not, sometimes I think, I wrote, I wrote this down, I think sometimes I think maybe at least in like the horror genre, you know, with, with fans and YouTubers in it, they kind of hate Rob Zombie because it's like the in thing to do. 
because of you know what he did to what he did to Halloween and all that fucking bullshit, whatever. There's I truth think it's to that. Thing to do to hate on Rob Zombie. Oh, Rob Zombie's got another movie coming out. You know his wife sucks, and they're all they're gonna do is say fuck and be white trash. True, but again, <laughs> you know what I mean. But again, you just hate him because it's just it's Rob Zombie. You know you don't you don't you don't he got a new movie coming out. Don't fucking watch it. Who cares? Yeah, that's the difference. You know, you're you have your foot in the horror community, mm-hmm. so I'm, and I I'm I see it from a distance and things, especially online. It's mm-hmm. totally valid what you're saying, one hundred percent, because yeah. that's you know that's life. And, and, There's and, and this again, mob mentality. They didn't, they didn't hate on him until he made Halloween, and then they hated on him more with Halloween two, which I think is great. Upon repeated viewings, I think his Halloween two is a hell of a lot better than it gets credit for, but. We'll discuss that more so when we get to like our high friend. I don't hate Rob Zombie. I let's just say I do. Okay, to make the to make this simpler. Okay, the reason I hate Rob Zombie, I've seen all of his movies up until the the thirty one. Didn't it only played for one night, so I couldn't go. Because I, I see everything. I love everything. I want to see everything in the cinema, on, on the big screen. I give everyone a fair chance. I'm not going to shit on Rob Zombie movies. I hate him because his movies are absolutely terrible. Like, through and through. All of... <laughs> I I, only, I haven't seen El Bisto, but I saw, you know, uh, both the Halloweens and these two Firefly movies. Um, did he make anything else? Uh, House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Devil Rejects. Lords of Salem. Saw that. Saw that in theater. Cinemark. Okay. Halloween 1, Halloween 2, 3 from Hell, Super Bisto. Okay, so I, this, this is not something where... He's not like Christopher Nolan. I'm not... <laughs> I, I don't have this, like, uh, fire in me to hate this guy. You know, I think he's a good hustler. He, uh-huh. he knows how to manipulate people and make lots of fucking money. Good for him. <laughs> he's probably, like, I've heard stories. He's a really nice guy in real life. Um, mm-hmm. He's good to his fans. Uh, I think I saw the MTV Cribs episode where they go to his house. His and, house is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. they show he's he obviously likes Will Harvey's stuff. I think all he's that got, aside, got, I don't want to. I don't want to be my grandma. I don't want to be my grandma who who shits on people because of 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 uh, of gossip and things they mm-hmm. heard about. You know, like I don't give a fuck about any of that stuff. The movies are terrible. Like. I, I can't get over how bad they are. That's okay. that's it. That's it. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do he's, with like. I'll tell you what, he, he's fantastic in concert too. Oh, I I'm finally sure. got to see him like a handful of years ago in, in Wisconsin when he <laughs> when he opens up the concert with a a song called "Teenage Nosferatu Pussy," mm-hmm. and then it just goes on from there. It's fantastic. It was a fantastic concert. He puts People on like a ACDC type show. Like lots of pyro, uh, like lights and no pyro. This was actually toned down. Behind him, he had uh, selfies or whatever you say of the different Universal monsters. Like he had a Dracula up there, Frankenstein monster. He had King Kong up there, hmm. um, Lon Chaney's uh, Phantom of the Opera because he's obsessed with Universal horror. See, that's the thing. I'd probably be friends with him in real life. I and love all that stuff. And it, it was so good. Like he was, he sung almost every single song I wanted to hear him sing. He sung. A, he sings a song called uh, "Sick Bubblegum," and he had huge balloons, you know, pink balloons, like you know, bubblicious falling from the, the crowd from That's the ceiling. Cool. It was so much fun. He had a. Uh, he has a, a guitarist named John Five, who 
came out to an LED lit up guitar of the American flag and he played a the Jimi Hendrix version of the Star Spangled Banner and it was a fun fucking show. With that, back to something else I really enjoy about Rob Zombie and this is um I got two more points that I want to make is everyone knows, you know, one of the most famous scenes, there's two scenes that people always go to when they talk about this film. It's the end, which we're not going to talk about yet. And then there's the, the tutti frutti scene. Okay. Because, you know, it's just a memorable scene. It's, it's like you and your family on a fucking road trip. And, you know, the kids are saying, I need to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry and dad's yelling. And he's going to, you know, swat the kid and all that stuff like yeah. that. Now, yes, for me, fun banter, you know, Sherry ends up getting what she wants because you got Spalding saying, you know, two fucking seconds for the kid. Is that too much to kill you? And then Bill Mosley said, oh, no, dogs are barking outside. Looks like they're disagreeing with me. But uh, Bill Mosley <laughs> is saying, you know, no fucking ice cream for you. And then again, it pans to the van driving down the road and <laughs> Captain Spalding's eating ice cream so disgustingly, getting it all over his mustache and stuff. Doesn't fucking care. Now, yes, that's a fun scene, but right there, is where you kind of start rooting, at least me, you start rooting for these guys because that's where I start falling for them. Kind of like I said with the Clarence Boddicker stuff, the, the charisma and you're like, okay, that was a fun scene. These characters are starting to get fun for me. And it's around that time. So the villains become, I don't want to say heroes because no fucking way they're heroes, but you know, they're, they become the likable characters. And that's when Wydell you know, foresight, that's about the time when he's he's having his, his dreams of his brother and he's psyching himself up to throw the cigar. And that's about when he kills Mama Firefly. You know, he just he just he fucking guts her in the prison. That's when he finally crosses that line from I don't want to say hero, but to villain. And just the way again, you say missed opportunity with some of these characters, not not foresight, but with the fireflies is I think because of the charisma of both of them, they seamlessly do that 180, both groups, you know what I mean? And that is great because, you know, Forsyth says, you know, I tried so hard to walk the line. Now he's finally fucking crossed it. And you're wondering if he's going to just gut mama in the jail cell, you know, call her a fucking whore and this and that, and then he's 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 ready to go get the other three. You're wondering what he's going to do because yeah. he's got no boundaries now. And then you're like, okay, these lovable assholes just got fucking ice cream or whatever. Where and they're where are they gonna go in the end up at you know the brothel? So again, that is I think a memorable scene, not just for it being funny, you know, they get the tutti fruity. And um it's great, you know, character I don't know, would you say character arcs? But just the way again, they change in the way they get in my aspect, the audience to change with them, or in Wydell's case change you know go against him even though you know that he he has a air quotes legitimate reason for going after them in his revenge plot if that makes sense yeah i don't think they are characters but wydell is a character so he does he legitimately does have a character arc um when he crosses over to the dark side Mm -hmm. but i would use the same this what you're saying i've heard this from lots of people okay it's a common um thing not talking point but a lot of people share this opinion and i would apply the shining thing to this with jack torrance i knew Wydell or rydell whatever the fuck his name is why was crazy right from the beginning i knew he was going to that was eventually going to happen right right out of the gate you know that he's 
way too into his revenge for his brother. I feel there was a missed opportunity there because, and everyone will disagree with me, but okay. I didn't get I didn't get that at all. The whole the whole switching of places, the villain becoming the hero, hero becoming the villain, because the Fireflies aren't characters like at all. They're just well, complete... maybe 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 hero and villain are the wrong words, but you get what I was saying. No, no, you're totally right. I'm just saying I don't. They're very paper thin characters, and then. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to this, and the whole second, the, the final part of the movie is about this. That's the whole thing. It's about how he's torturing them, and you know who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. That that all went out the window for me because I felt nothing for them at all. Like I didn't like the the forced catchphrase things and all these little moments and things. I didn't like any of that stuff. So when he's torturing them, it's like who gives a shit? Like fucking oh. kill them. Go for it. it. Take them out. Kill all of them. When he killed the mom, (laughs) I I just think the missed opportunity is on paper, yeah, that's a good concept. I would like to have seen that executed better. Where where you actually feel for the bad guys. It kind of reverses. And then you start to hate the good, the foresight. But I didn't. It just didn't work. It was just like, kill the bitch. Like, when he killed the mom, I was rooting, I was screaming like, yes. Like, I don't, like, I don't hate foresight. Like, but what I mean is like, he became the villain. Yeah. And you, the, the, the torture scene, I think, is, is perfect as well. You know, they're tied to the chair, you know, and it's just, I love the scene because he, he's got this biblical theme going. Foresight does. From the very beginning, he's quote, why, he said, what did he say? This is what, you know, when he's about ready to shoot out the house. And he yeah, said, this he's is what the Lord, crazy. Yeah, he says, the good Lord calls us like a cleansing of the wicked. And then, you know, he's, then when he's talking to the mirror, he's like, you know, you know, I pray to Jesus or whatever. And, you know, I don't want to, I want to walk that line and then by the end of it he's got them tied to the chair and he as he's nailing their hands to the to the the hands or the arms of the chairs you know he's screaming hallelujah so he i love the the biblical craziness if that's the right term because i always love like the biblical nut in these type of movies especially like you know like the mist you know that that looney tune lady you know in in the grocery store but he was great but Again, he gives such a powerful performance, I think. But then you go to the three Firefly members. You know, they're tied to the chair. They're getting nails, like fucking thick-ass, you know, roofing nails or whatever they were into their hands. And all three characters are different. Baby is the the scared, air quotes, scared, crying woman. You know, she's upset that Mama was killed when she finds out this and that. Then you have, um, and then what Forsyth is doing, he's like taking like the um, evidence pictures. He's like stapling them to the chest of all the Firefly family. So she's getting attacked. But then you have, again, now you have Captain Spaulding, who is her dad, but not, it's a weird fucking family tree. Her dad, but he is not Bill Mosley's dad. He's not Otis's dad because, you know, Mama Firefly was a prostitute and a whore and all that jazz. So he is being the overprotective dad. He's yelling and screaming at Forsyth, like, you know, get the fuck away from her, don't touch her, blah, blah, blah. So that's great. So you got the fear in Baby. You got the anger and protectiveness of a father in Spalding. But then you got this, I don't give a fuck, you know, blow me attitude from Otis. Like when he's tied to the, the chair and uh, for, yeah, Forsyth's poor man, hey, Joe, just showed up. Um, when Foresight shows like the, the evidence photo of like 
yeah, this girl, she's one of your victims. She don't look too fuckable right now. And then Otis is just like, yeah, she does. Like, he knows he's fucked, but he doesn't care. And that's what I like about the differences in the three Firefly families. When And you don't know with Rob Zombie, you don't know if they're going to get out of this because he doesn't like happy endings. You know, are all three of them going to, are all four of them going to burn in the house? Are they going to die? Are they going to get away type of thing? And again, based on Forsyth's performance of this crazy biblical nut, which is what I'm going to call him now by the scene of the movie, and then the three different performances of the, the family members tied to the chair, it's, I just, I absolutely love how they're all interacting with each other and they're all different. Like, it's cool seeing Baby actually scared for her life for once. I, Go ahead. I, Go ahead. I, I, uh, there's nothing really for me to say to that. I, I, you can non, either agree or not. The non characters you know. that they are to me. It just seems kind of lame that she's all of a sudden scared. It would have been cool if I'm writing a movie and trying to make it cool. Or maybe she's not so scared, but she she's up she's physically upset because it would have been cooler if she wasn't upset at all. If she kind of laughed and said something like, "I always hated that bitch anyway," like her dad, like her real dad, Captain Spaulding. But but she doesn't. She just cries and he makes her run, and then it's just like he's just That's Rob Zombie stoned out of his mind writing this shit. Okay, and then the black guy's gonna come back, and they're gonna get up, and then like, it just doesn't work for me. And comparing Forsyth to Miss Carmody and The Mist, and especially comparing her to him. Well, you, I mean, that was just the first character when I said I'm like saying, if they. I kind of, I there's no comparison, but I think they should have uh, upped the religious stuff with him. I wish he was more crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would have been interesting, but you know. We're eventually going to get to the end. I think the the difference between this and um, with the mist ending is the yeah. mist hit a fucking uh, you know a grand slam mm -hmm. home run out the park, you know into the someone's apartment window across from the stadium. With this, mm -hmm. it was just like they tried that. It, it seems like I know this is probably <laughs> you might have said this, but it's, I'm just assuming this is one of your favorite endings of all time. It is. It is a great ending. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Seeing it again, um, mm -hmm. it brought back so many great memories of seeing this in the theater because I was laughing. It was amazing to see in the theater, yes. I was laughing out loud the whole time. I loved the ending for that. And I appreciated I appreciated the good song, you know? <laughs> what is it with people using Freebird at the end of movies in like the most ridiculous ways imaginable? What a, other than this and The Kingsman, what else has it been in? Oh fuck the Kingsman, and that's not—that's not even at the end of the movie. That's just some stupid right. CGI scene. I'm talking about for the finale of a film, um, the best of all time. You—you you probably say it's this one. I'm going to disagree. I think you know, I, it's close though. The end of this is pretty epic with the Freebird, mm -hmm. but I honestly think it's in the movie duets with Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay, mm -hmm. and in this this horror. <laughs> Pulled a Gwyneth Paltrow movie out of your ass to talk about this. Oh no no, I didn't pull this one's. This one's like sitting right here in my heart at all times. It's one of the worst okay. movies like ever made. Um, like made around nine eleven. It's the story about Huey Lewis and um, Gwyneth Paltrow are like professional karaoke singers that travel to karaoke bars to try to win money. <laughs> and oh, I saw this. Okay, I couldn't believe. 
how bad it was. And the finale of the film is they're at this big karaoke championship. And at the end, mm -hmm. the black guy from the mist, the same guy. Okay. He gets up and blows them all out the water with his rendition of Freebird. Oh, and really? It's like, it's like tear jerking, right? In this ridiculous, stupid movie. Okay. And it's something like, like this movie, not stupid. I'm not saying this is stupid. I'm saying it's unforgettable. Like, like hate or love devil's rejects people will always remember this finale but unfortunately right. most of them have never seen duets That's, go ahead rachel i have never seen that, that movie but i remember one of the songs from that movie used to play at evil on the on the music okay and me and us together countries were like god this song is awful <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. It had a hit song. Like, well, you know that's going to talk with me. I'm like, well, she can't sing. <laughs> no, no, it's totally true. They they recorded, um, Huey Lewis recorded a song with Gwyneth Paltrow, and it was a hit song, like, on the charts. Yeah. I, I almost want to say, but I know I'm wrong, it's something like, you know that song, Cruising Together? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's sim It's similar to that. Okay, but this must have been a really low point in music because the, you won't <laughs> believe how bad the song is, and it was like on the charts. You know, that's not saying much, but so when we're cruising together. Okay, now I know. When you say when we're cruising together, now I know what shitty song you're talking about. Okay, uh, so, maybe I'll just YouTube uh, Andre Brower. Uh, I think that's his name, singing Freebird. Yeah, do I'll, I'll just look for that. Duets, Freebird. You just gotta okay. see that scene. Okay, but uh, back to this movie. Well, what, what... I was gonna say I, I loved again. You know, we'll keep going. You know, baby running away again. It's it's just basically blowing William Forsythe this whole episode because I think he's again he's still truly terrifying when he's chasing her through the ranch and you know he's hitting the the the, the cowbell or the, the dinner bell or whatever it is and he's saying run rabbit, which is a callback to the first movie. Yep. And she's chasing the girl through the wood or through the forest or whatever, and she's saying, you know, the little rabbit poem or whatever she's saying. And um, before we get to Freebird, I will say this: I wasn't a big fan. I'm not a big fan of it, and like on repeated viewings. But when Tiny comes out of nowhere to save her, a lot of people hate that. I enjoyed it because I had totally fucking forgot about Tiny. The only time we see him was in the very beginning when he's dragging the dead body, and then he comes out of nowhere to save her and everyone's like well that's just shitty well he was hanging probably just hanging out at the house until you know after everyone was taken away i thought it was i thought it was smart because you again rob plants that seed that tiny's around there somewhere but then all this shit happens you totally fucking forget about him. two things about that okay um i i'm not sure if it's the same giant guy but the whole t every time yeah. i saw that guy i was thinking this is again this is just me when i'm uh -huh. thinking of other movies I was watching this one thinking of Big Fish, which is legitimately one of my favorite movies. Okay, yes. And that hits, that hits home so hard. Yeah, it's, you and I have talked about our connections to Big Fish. Um, so I was thinking about that movie the whole time when he's on the screen. And then the second time uh, I was just watching this, when, when he comes up behind him and he does the slow motion thing again and he picks up Forsyth, I, I know this is stupid, but I, have, I was thinking in my mind, please be Dr. Satan. Please be that fucking freak Resident Evil giant monster thing. I wanted it to pan up and reveal that it was the 
the the resident evil dr satan guy Mm -hmm. and i just wanted him to like rip him in half or something like or just take his head and put his hands in his mouth and like pull his head apart or like, something. Or like, you know, like dead alive when like just like yes when the baby the you know what i mean yep. or just take him like bane and break him literally break him in half uh-huh and and it was the the tall giant retard guy i was like what is this a mice and man who gives it like what are you doing uh, uh, i will say i will say this uh there like i said there's a deleted scene with dr satan it's on youtube dr satan is taken to the hospital and he's put on a gurney and everything. And then Rosario Dawson, which is why she's given a she's given a voice role, like a main voice role in El Super Bisto because her scene was cut from Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. But she's his nurse and he literally wakes up and grabs her throat and like rips it out and blood everywhere and stuff. Ridiculous. But Rob just like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ridiculous, that ridiculous, he, ridiculous that he tried to connect that to this. Well, they're just two different movies. That, but he had the it's just ridiculous he that he tried. Movie. He's like, well, yeah. let's try one scene. You can't connect this to the other movie. It's ludicrous. Yeah, he does because of Tom Tolls. Oh, I mean in a good way. I mean in a good way. (laughs) Dick. Like, because when I say in a good way, it's the connection needs to be something relevant that people care about. No one Mm -hmm. cares. Zero people care on the planet Earth about the sheriff and and the house that has corpses that Mama Firefly killed. No one gives a shit about him. No one. So the I connection, like well, good for I mean, you liked him, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of liked him, I guess. He's this, yeah. he's this cookie cutter cop, right? But he so your, fine. Con- your connection there means nothing. Oh, you killed the brother. You killed my brother, who's not even like no one cares about him. And that's a problem I have with a lot of these horror movies. Like, and yeah. these really shallow connections and things like that. It's kind of, but at the same time, look, I'll say something positive. Sure. Because, yeah, you know, I still, gonna, I still kind of like. We're going to head to the ending after this, but go ahead. I still kind of like, you know, I kind of do like the Freebird thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know but, well, you never said you hated this movie, but go ahead. What I do appreciate about this movie mm-hmm. and all the shit I've been saying and talking about it is that. It's not really a sequel, like and and I you were saying it's the best kind of sequel and all this stuff and it has the connection there. I don't care about any of that. I disagree. I think it's a horror. If this is a, if you really think this is a sequel to that other movie, mm-hmm. your your wires are crossed or something. I suggest medication or something. But honestly, <laughs> I like the fact that it's nothing like the first one. The characters are all different except for Captain Spaulding's even really kind of. For the most part, subdued, except for the mm-hmm. one amazing scene with the, the threatens to kill his kid and whole family. I like how different it is. I appreciate that okay. Rob Zombie just didn't do, and we've talked about this a lot. Hmm? He didn't just try to do a Jaws two. He right. didn't. He he's not trying to capture the lightning and the of the House of Thousand Corpses and and do another insane music video horror movie. Mm-hmm. He tried to do something different. I think personally, it's outside of his depth in every way humanly imaginable mm-hmm. but at least he's trying to do something different yeah. and before you get tear me down with all your mm-hmm. i know you're gonna hate on me okay. does he, did he at least try to do something different with uh with three, uh, from, hell? three from hell or is it just uh, exactly the same as this movie a 70s exploitation 
Well, it takes place, I think it takes place in the 80s now because it's like 10 years later. Okay. But there's no reference to the 80s. No, there's still scenes that are in there that don't make sense and don't need to be in there. Does it get um, weird, though? Is it is it at least, like, oh, weird, there's some, different? There's some, there's, some, there's some weird scenes where, you know, Sherry Moon Zombie is now losing her mind in prison. Like, she's seen, like, cat people and stuff like that, which makes no sense. You know, there's a scene where they're holed up and they're taking some family hostage and Clint Howard shows up as, oh. as a clown and they torture him. Oh, my God. kind of funny because he's all painted up. Um, but, like I said, I, I enjoyed the second half of Three from Hell a hell of a lot more. I will say this, the guy that they got to replace Sid, because Sid was like, he's in the movie for like a minute and a half and he's so sickly looking, like he was at death's door at this point. That sucks. And then of course they, they had to kill the character off, he, he got lethal injection, stuff like that, so. But they replaced him with um, what is his name, Richard Brake or Richard Brackey, I can't think how you pronounce his last name, the, the main killer in 31, and he was a really good addition to he's another half brother of course but he was a very fun addition to the group i guess you would say he his character is what sid Haig would have been doing if sid wasn't so sick yeah i remember um, you talking about 31 he's you said he's the best part yeah he's the best part and he's like he's like the the main i guess you would say are the final killer like 31 is basically the running man directed by rob zombie you know what I mean? Okay, I'm gonna watch El Bisto and 31. If it's like, if it's, if it's like a Running Man, I'm gonna watch it. Definitely. Yeah. So you know, that's a good thing. And um, yeah. you know what you were saying about um, Sid Haig having to be in the the third one for mm-hmm. uh, whatever reason. I mean, I understand that, but I was just thinking, like, he why did he get lethal injection? Like, who does well, he kill? Were- in the in the first one, he he kills robbers. In the second well, one, they well when they're when they're brought to justice, you know, and and Rob just he just throws it away. So it's like a miracle they survive. Oh, this isn't a pet peeve thing. I was just wondering because my reaction to Devil's Rejects just now was the same as like Freddy versus Jason when, like you know how Freddy kills one person in that movie. Well, well, you you eventually Sid. You know, Captain Spaulding is tried for multiple murders because in the very beginning when Foresight's going through the photo well, you see Spaulding's face in a lot of the pictures with the dead bodies and the tortured people. That's yeah, why yeah. he's like, you know, Captain fucking Spaulding. And then it cuts to him fucking Ginger Lynn. I just thought that but, was um, weird in both of these movies that he's kind of like, he's the patriarch of the family, but he's, he's a background yeah. character at the same time. Like, he yeah. doesn't really have his hands in on the the nitty gritty stuff. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But I, I didn't know that. It makes more sense now. You said he's not uh, in the story Bill Mosley's mm-hmm. biological father. That's why he, he hates him so much. I mean, Bill Mosley's right. always giving him shit. Right. He's like a stepdad or adopted dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like the only, I think the only one, the only person that, you know, the only parent they all share was mama. Because yeah. everyone is like a half brother or half sister type of thing. But, um, and okay, I, I understand. I think the actress in this one, who plays the mom of Firefly, and the performance and everything—is that the one from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, she, she was from. Um, oh my she god! From Police Academy? She's I'm from such Police an Academy. idiot. I... Yeah, the big titty one from Police Academy that gets in the pool. Remember? That's her. Yeah. Oh my god, man! I did. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking Nightmare on Elm Street the whole time. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The well, they got her titties covered up in this one because yeah. she's not wearing skin tight. Yeah. Isn't she really an opera singer? 
I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I obviously liked her uh, performance and stuff in this one more. I just thought mm-hmm. I liked the, the other like movie. I like the other movie more. So Karen Black yeah. and you know she kills the uh, the sheriff and stuff. And yeah, she's decent in it. I, I prefer Leslie in this one. Well, she's playing herself though. That's why I like I prefer Karen Black. Karen Black's playing a fucking you know psychotic crazy bitch. So yeah. Like, when is she not playing that? That's true. Um, um, okay. Get to the free bird. We're going to get to the free bird. And I, the reason here's why I'm not loving, I don't love this ending just because it's fucking free bird. I'll tell you what, watch the dot. If, even though you don't like this, I, I suggest watching the documentary 30 days in hell and just watching how they made this movie from beginning to end. Cause originally they wanted like born to be wild. And Rob's like, no, fuck that. That's a do that move. That would suck. So he chose Freebird because it's like this epic movie and he wanted this epic ending, but not like I'm a decent Leonard Skinner fan. You know what I mean? Sweet home, Alabama, all that, you know, simple man. I'll have it on in the background, but it's not just the fact that they play pretty much almost the entire fucking song. Just, you know, the helicopter shots of just Bill driving the car and then just the way it's, you know, the close-up shots of when he stops and you're wondering why he stops in the middle of it. And we see a close-up shot of just his eyes. Like he's got very expressive eyes when he sees the roadblock and he knows they're fucked. And it's not just, he's not just like, it's like a, a little bit of sadness to him. Yeah. Like uh, Peter Bogdanovich said, Cher had very, very sad eyes. And that's why he chose her for mask. In this scene here, again, it's, it's a change of character. He's like, well, all right, this is the end. And that's when he starts waking everybody up. You know, he gives out the guns. And I think it might have been Rob says, like, the reason. No, Bill Bill decided this on the fly. He gave Captain Spaulding the shotgun instead of a gun, a regular, you know, handgun, because he's like, okay, I finally now respect you. You, you're the big dog. You can have the shotgun. So wow. I, I didn't get that until I had to have it explained to me. But, dude. <laughs> Due to Bill making that uh, decision, when Spall when Sid Haig fired the the shotgun or the rifle next to Sherry Moon Zombie, it damaged her ear so much she couldn't hear for like three days, because you know she wasn't prepared for that. But so you have that scene, and you have again no dialogue. I mean, you can hear, you know, you can see, you know, before they speed out, Sherry's yelling, you know, motherfuckers as they're getting ready to go, and then you have this high speed chase. It's like it's basically, you know. Bonnie and Clyde or um, the wild bunch Butch and Sundance, you know, the ending of that type of thing. And it's not just that was what I love. What I love about Rob is his use of like home movie type footage because intercut with all this chaos and what's shut up just a second, just a second is we have the good times. And it's not just because it's the good times of, you know, when Spalding and them were, you know, not killing people and they're just walking around you know in the in the in the woods you know frolicking and you know high five and hugging and all that shit it's not just that i love how rob makes it personal for a lot of his characters he does it in this he does it in the director's cut of halloween 2 it's one of my one of my, when brad dorf walks up and it's after um the fuck is her name well annie you know daniel harris She's just been killed and he walks in and he sees her on the ground and he has his little, you know, he breakdown. Rob Zombie took literal home footages of Danielle Harris as a little kid. 
and threw it in there because that's what uh, uh, Brad Dorf has seen, his little girl dead on the ground, but he's seen like the old timey footage. And then this really has nothing to do with the ending of 31. So this isn't a spoiler for you, but the end of 31, there's home video footage of the group having fun, you know, right before the credits roll. I just love Rob's love of that type of home movie footage just to make these characters seem more, I don't know, sympathetic might be the wrong word concerning the Firefly family, but with Daniel Harris and the, the 31 group, I guess you would say, it just makes them more relatable, more real. And I just think it's a really cool, it's one of those things I always look for or look forward to with every Rob movie now. And it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's just one of those, hey, I really enjoy that that movie choice or filmmaking choice, I guess you would say. Cool. No, I'm, I'm not making fun of you. I think I highly suggest one of my, everyone laughs at me when I say this, it really is top 10, top 20 movies for me of all time is mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Have you I've seen, seen it that? once, a long time ago. Watch it again. Okay. And then, you know, all the way through and wait for the ending. It's, I think what you're exactly what you're talking about. It's like the best ever in a movie mm-hmm. and uh, gets me every time. Yeah. Frank, you know, uh, if, if you like Jonathan DeMay and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I just thought, I don't want to sound mean or anything, but I, when I was of saying course. earlier that I was laughing, that's what I was kind of laughing at. If I mm-hmm. had, if I had connected with these characters on any level, then maybe I could understand where you come from. But I was seeing, when it cuts to the footage of them like all walking hand in hand, I was I was hearing, and this happens a lot with movies. I, I'm guessing uh-huh. you you either pick or we watch. Where I was uh-huh. hearing the police uh, the uh, the Naked Gun music. Something oh, tells God. me I'm into something good. When it cuts to like <laughs> Sherry Moon, like doing that, yeah. and then Captain yeah. Spaulding like this, and they're walking. <laughs> that's what I was hearing. And then, you know, I was laughing out loud, and then I go back uh-huh. to, like, this incredible, you know, Leonard Skinner song. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm really digging this. Uh-huh. Any opportunity to hear, you know, you don't have to be a hardcore Leonard Skinner fan to appreciate it's a good song. Okay. Um, but that's what I was laughing at. And you were talking about, uh, you know, Thelma Louise. It's really kind of like um, the Wild Bunch, and especially um, fucking Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, that too. Um, just this time, having watched it again, because you know, I, I think it's pretty good. I like the, I like the. I just think <laughs> you didn't go far enough for me. You know, That's with okay. with the uh, the way that it, the song just ends and it kind of fades out. Mm-hmm. But what can you really do? Like, how are you going to yeah. top the Wild Bunch and Thelma and Louise and all? Like, just show gratuitous bullets. So I, I guess it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I'll admit I do like the I, I like the Freebird usage. Uh huh. It, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, let's let's we'll go to the chat before we we, we sign off. Um, Jennifer was happy that you said something positive. Um, Christopher Gupton showed up. He hasn't seen Big Fish, which he needs to really get on that. Like you and I have talked offline about how much well, we love it. Maybe there's producer no Rachel's not a, producer. Rachel's not a huge Tim Burton. Yeah, that's, that's a she thing. Really liked it. There's a problem with. Oh, she did like it. 
She did. Tim Burton, people, it's like, if you haven't seen it by now, it's probably too late. Like, because if you haven't seen Big Fish by now, it's been out forever, you're probably in the Tim Burton hating camp. Which, hey, whatever floats your boat. Uh, but to me, Big Fish was the last great, master, mm-hmm. like, classic film by Tim Burton. People yeah. just can't, in the same way, they can't separate the art from the person. Like, you know, Woody Allen fucked his daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for people to separate bad movies people make. And, you know, Tim yeah. Burton's made a shit ton. He's made so many bad movies. But yep. the first He's ten... No. Yeah, the well, well, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands yeah. and Pee Wee, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. those first ten years of movies that he made to me are yeah. the, it's just a remarkable achievement. A, a lot of that stuff, but there is this like I am in Tim Burton's outside of the horror community, mm-hmm. and I am in touch with. There's a lot of people that just shit on him. Be, okay, and like I'm, I'm honestly, I Gupton guy. I, I'm a, if you haven't seen it by now, it's uh, I, there's little hope. I think. Oh uh, well, I don't think so. You don't? I don't think so. I think uh, you, someone could still enjoy that. And from being from beginning to end, that movie is fantastic too, with all the performances. It's amazing. And it's, you know, some of the stuff we talked about, you know, off camera. It's it's really gut punching. It's really sad in a lot of scenes. And if it doesn't get you, I'd be very surprised in a lot of scenes. And we'll, we'll leave it at that because I don't want to. Unless you're start. like an orphan, unless you're an orphan, I don't think it'll affect you. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if but if you had any kind of family, then I'm assuming it will because it's absolutely riveting. The finale of that movie, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is just like bittersweet. It's a beautiful film. Yeah. Um. Well, with that, I will say I am I, I'm happy with the conversation we got out of this season premiere frenzy. Um, even though I was honestly, I was expecting you to hate on this film. I'm glad you didn't. You did have some positive things to say more than I thought. I had a lot of positive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You didn't hate on Rob. You're still going to give him a chance if you're going to watch 31 and Super Bisto. So yes, and I'm going to go. I'm going to watch it with popcorn, excited. Yeah, and I think I'm pretty sure it's going to suck, but I'm going to watch it. Okay. You might not enjoy 31. There, that's that's gonna be 50 50 i will be very surprised as much i've known you what maybe going on three years now give or take when we were in the crazy maybe Facebook longer club. right who knows if you aren't laughing hysterically to el super bisto like paul giamatti plays dr satan rosario dawson plays a stripper that he kidnaps and wants to marry brian Posehn's in it Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, Sherry Moon Zombie, uh, Danny Trejo, uh, Ken Foray is a talking cat. <laughs> Fuck you, amazing. If you don't, if you're not laughing out loud and during that movie, I honestly will be very surprised. Okay. As well as I know you. And again, it's it's basically it's it's like John K. Ren and Stimpy type animation. You know, just with you know titties and stuff too as well. So. I'll be very surprised if you don't enjoy that. Definitely. And what? If... Oh, yeah. Okay. Before we end this, uh, producer Rachel wants me to tell you, uh, we, um, you know, we are friends with the Drink It Dirty in Jersey uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. 
And last October, on Rachel's birthday, they had Bill Mosley on. Well, you know that because I sent you the episode. Yeah. They had yeah. Bill Mosley on as an interview, and he was at a flea market that he got kicked out of when he was doing the interview. It was great. And it was really cool that they got him to which wish Rachel a happy birthday. And he, uh, you know, our last name was Hyde. So he couldn't hear over the phone. She's like, Rachel's eye? You want me to wish Rachel's eye a happy birthday? Just her eye? And it was <laughs> it was real fun. And then exactly, because my birthday is exactly seven days afterwards, seven days afterwards, they had Michael Berryman, who we, we didn't talk about the whole chicken fucking scene, you know, in this, which we'll just leave that at that. Mm-hmm. But they had him on and they were, they were like, hey, can you wish, you know, our, our good buddy Erica a happy birthday or call him a chicken fucker or something like that? He's like, no, nah, I don't know you that well, brother, but I wish you a happy birthday. So. <laughs> That was that. I mean, that was that's kind of like a little cool anecdote. Yeah. But with this, I think it was a successful season premiere. Before we do our sign off, you want to know what my choice is for next week, Frenzy? Yeah. And wait, just one last thing before you tell me the choice, which I'm desperately excited to. I, I was looking here at the our YouTube thing, but I forgot I put in the thumbnail. Uh-huh. If you look oh, at this, yeah. what the fuck is the deal with the thumbnail? Please. Yeah, because I I I was watching this movie and. Uh, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't get to pick one for this, but the, I was thinking the whole time I was watching um, Devil's Rejects, I was thinking of mm-hmm. Badlands, Terrence Malick, Martin Sheen, Sissy Spacek, 1973. Badlands. So I just took a screen grab of that. This is my little, I don't get to talk about another movie. I don't get a pick in this one. So if you're listening, I highly recommend that movie instead Does of this Badlands one, instead of this have- one, but you know, watch both of them. Does Badlands have anything similar to this? Yes, it's two it's two lovers that go or go on a killing spree across uh, South Dakota. But and Martin Sheen is absolutely crazy and awesome in it. Okay. And he his sissy SpaceX like baby. I think it's like it. it Rob Zombie's probably influenced by it. it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a Terrence Malick's first movie. Okay. It's a classic. It's funny. It's beautiful. It's scary and disturbing. And it's based on a true story. All that I just wanted to throw out a recommendation. Okay. So I put it in the thumbnail. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I I wanted to ask. I figured it was like you're gonna go somewhere with it, but now it's just like, why the uh, fuck is Martin Sheen in the background of this thumbnail? Uh, he's awesome. He's so awesome. Okay. With that, my choice for next week. I it's something I know you enjoy. Okay. Now we're in the '70s with the Devil's Reject, so we're going to go into the '70s with this film. Okay. It is a comedy. Baseball season is starting. We're going to talk the Bad News Bears. Ooh, excellent. Yes, I knew you would want to talk about that because I know you really enjoy it. I know you love baseball films. Yes. I know we both love Walter Matthau when he's a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. So we're my choice for next week, and again, because it's baseball season, which I don't give a fuck about, but I figured that was a good reason to pick it, is the original bad news bears yeah i don't i i pretend to try to follow baseball it's impossible there's too many games but mm-hmm. baseball movies are my favorite so it's like well, it's a really big deal hours don't worry don't influence don't influence him oh wait i get to pick one yeah oh i forgot it's been so long the last one i picked was like totally wrong and terrible what was the last one you picked the the faculty thing Oh, yeah. That was a train wreck. That felt like it was six months ago. I get to pick a movie. You do. I get to pick a baseball movie? 
You can pick now. It can be whatever you want. Any type of connection. You can pick. Shut up. <laughs> um, you can pick anything you want. It can be a Walter Matthau movie, Tatum O'Neill, Jackie Earl Haley, anything you want. Well, you can pick the Sandlot. Apparently, producer Rachel wants you to pick the Sandlot for fuck's sake. Or what? Or League of Their Own. Frenzy oh, hasn't chosen one, a good one in a long time. I've got... Don't influence him. Right here. You're, it's the end of the podcast, and what? now you want to get involved. Literally, I don't, I don't this is this. This hangs on my spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. And we went to we went to when we went to Cantini. I don't know. I think it's in Wheaton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. The scene where uh, Jimmy Dugan's walking down uh, the stairs, and um, the candy bar guy is saying, "You know, you need to quit drinking or whatever." Um, we were actually we've been there. That's that's actually a really cool place to go in Illinois. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's one of my best uh, favorite movie memories. I saw that with my grandma. Had no idea what it was. That, that she used to just, she was the weirdest person to see a movie with. She would just pick me up and have something planned out. It's like we're going to the movies, and I didn't know till we got there. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for me. That movie. I go okay. On. So, um, but to go you with Bad News Bears, I'm kind of thinking of something really insane. I'll tell you off air though. Okay. All right. Um, no, I'll just tell you now. I'm thinking the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot because Jackie Haley's in. I'm all for that. You know that. And, I'm not going to tell you because you're going to get upset. Because it's not League of Thrones or, or Santa. I'm thinking Nightmare about it. Street, it might be good to let you just get this over with. It's not a baseball movie, but it's, they both have Jackie Earl Haley in it. Oh. It has to have some type of connection. Oh, so I'm very excited because, you know, I'm a huge defender of that remake. I, I know you fucking hate it. Oh, why do you think I'm saying it? To this get it out of the way? We can get this out of the way and never have to talk about it. <sighs> no, it's it's fun, though. Okay. I'd rather so, talk about how bad the Nightmare on Elm Street r- remake is than, like, you know, Halloween or whatever. Yeah, well, that's for October. <sighs> well, with that, I want to say thank you for everybody who who showed up. You know, Jennifer Tochi, Christopher Gupton, Roger, uh, Corey, Nightwatch, uh, Whitey was here for the usual misfits, producer Rachel, you know, she, she, she's in the background yelling at me, um, and yelling at Frenzy and to pick the sandlot, but we really appreciate everybody showing up. Uh, we got 10 people in the chat. I think that's the most we've had in a long time. Anybody listening? Um, I'm Eric from Hey Internet, Eric here. You can just Google that. You can find me on YouTube and Twitter and all that shit. Um, TwoBearLosers.com for the video uh, for all these podcasts, but you can also listen to us everywhere there's video podcasts. The links to our social media is in the description to these videos. Um, I'm not going to plug anything else, but Frenzy, when you're not busy laughing at all the Halloween fans that are upset because of Tony Moran's comments lately, uh, is there anywhere we can find you? Wait, I'm not clear. Am I supposed to say something in this, or we wait till after? (laughs) You can say whatever you want. But is there anywhere where we can find you? Or are you, you going to? Yes. You can find me on YouTube. I, You know, I'm doing a. I just can't believe I forgot about that. We just talked about it. I don't know if I'm supposed to comment or not. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Just Google my name. I think. 
you tag me in some ridiculous mm-hmm. tag yeah. thing and it's like yeah. no one's ever tagged me and i've never done a been part of like a movie group online mm-hmm. i'm always on the outskirts just like cackling at everyone maybe i <laughs> maybe i should maybe i should jump in and join in on the fun a little bit so i think you would i think you would have a lot of fun it's 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 called 10 for 10 and you just tick we we've, we've watched the videos 10 movie genres or subgenres and you just pick either your favorite movie or the first one that comes to your mind i think it'll be fun for you yeah i might do that so uh, just be looking something for that fun, something different for your channel and you still don't have to leave your room so yeah i don't I, yeah i, I kind of like maybe i should just talk about movies instead of whatever other random bullshit i've been doing but <laughs> on uh, i watched the night watch podcast episode of the disney top 10 mm-hmm. Yeah, and I chimed in on that on the comments. My top tens there, animated movies. It's like maybe I should just make a video out of this and do a tag response to what you're doing. So maybe I'll jump in and start doing what you guys do, talking yeah. about movies on on YouTube instead of just the podcast. It's, it's, it's all your choice, man. You know, I, I don't have time that much for the YouTube channel. Yeah. But with that, uh, again, thanks to everyone listening. The chat's still going on. I forgot uh sexy monkey still in the chat sasha thanks for showing up bud and um with that we'll see you in the next one for for a jackie earl haley marathon i guess Mm, fingers crossed i don't know if we're really gonna like am i really gonna blow my chance of picking a baseball movie for that movie for that freddy krueger thing okay well either way we're at least gonna talk the bad news bears oh definitely we're gonna talk about uh, you know i'm gonna talk about all of them too Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll focus on the first one. You're talking about the original. I'm talking about the original. Okay. Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, Jackie O'Haley. Definitely. Okay. Well, that's it. You want me to hit the button? Yep. Like With, Mr. Yeah. Science Theater? That's right. Hit the button. We'll hit. see you in the next one. See, now we don't have to talk about Rob Zombie anymore. (laughs) We will in October.